Trigger warning, Death and Friends is not a podcast for the light of heart. Many dark and serious subjects will come up. Listener discretion is advised. Skeleton Army. We know what you're thinking. Well, we always do. But especially in this case. We're like Santa, basically. Spooky Santa. So, Satan. No, no. Mm -hmm. But we know you saw the title of this episode and you were like, guys, come on. Isn't this a podcast about death and history? And to be honest, we thought that too. But then In we that started, accent. yeah, <laughs> just like that. <laughs> but then we started poking around the history of vampires and their origins just on a Saturday, and we thought, hey, it's shocking. But there's a lot about death when you're studying the theoretical undead. So we decided we want to educate your brains. Too far. Play the song. Play the song. Good evening, skeleton army. It's spooky time. (laughs) Blah. We've got a real killer episode for you today. You're gonna die when you hear about it. Yeah, it's really gonna drain the blood right out of you. Okay, and uh, with that, we're done now. All right, that was not your best work, Nash. If it helps at all, I agree with that assessment. It just, it never stops me. (laughs) And on behalf of all our listeners, it should. It really should. Hmm. Paint the picture, Nash. Today, we're in Transylvania, which is modern-day Romania, slightly north of Bucharest, in a province known as Wallachia. It's the 15th century, and Europe is embroiled in conflicts between the Holy Roman Empire and the Ottoman Empire. Vlad Dracul becomes the prince of Wallachia after being appointed by the Holy Roman Emperor for supporting Christian Europe. But... He pretty quickly switches sides and pledges his loyalty to the Ottoman Sultan Murad II. Vlad Dracul, who at this point has four sons, sends the youngest two to the Ottoman court as collateral. Nothing says, Daddy loves you, kitten, like packing you up to live at some other guy's house as a political prisoner. Just, it's great. Great planning. I mean, with royalty, sometimes you really gotta get the trauma in early. (laughs) All of this just proves my continued point that rich people are bastards. It gets so much worse. Doesn't it always, though? Yeah. So as it turns out, the nobles of Wallachia really did not love this sudden team swap, especially since the people that put Vlad in power were the other team. So they murder Vlad and his eldest sons. Vlad, the original fuck around and find out. Vlad's third son, one of the two that were sent to the Ottoman court, who was also called Vlad, spent the next year's of his life. <laughs> Hello, I am Vlad. Meet my son, Vlad. <laughs> my three other sons, Vlad. It's not important. <laughs> this is Vlad and her brother, Vlad, and my daughter, Lady Vlad. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Vlad sounds like something else. <laughs> oh, no, uh, she's later in the episode. Yeah, we'll talk about that eventually. Oh, shit. I didn't expect that to be as funny as it was. <laughs> Vlad's third son, one of the two that were sent to the Ottoman court, who was also called Vlad, (laughs) spends the next years of his life trying to get daddy's province back into the Dracul name. He even fights his own last remaining brother, who was supported by the Ottoman Empire. Also named Vlad, probably. (laughs) 
That's a different way to celebrate family, but okay, you know what? You do, you Dracules. Vlad finally takes power in 1454, and in the next few years, he gets, like, crazy good at killing. With an origin story like that, you fucking better. He earns the nickname Vlad the Impaler, or, in Romanian, Vlad Tepes, because he just... Ugh, he fucking loves impaling people on spikes. Oh, have you have you tried Vlad's people kebabs? Just, mm, just... Mm. Chef's kiss shit, just... Mm-hmm. Didn't have to be foreign enemies either. Vlad had no preference, as long as you were meat kebab by the end of your meeting. But he really liked it when he could leave a whole field of staked people, just like after a battle, to deter the Ottoman forces from pursuing him. Those were his favorite days. And after a few nice years of enjoying his quiet retirement of staking humans, mm. Vlad is nearly captured by the Ottomans, but escapes, then immediately is imprisoned by a former ally... Matthias I of Hungary. And then he escapes there and retakes the seat as prince, and then Vlad dies doing what he loves, hmm. battling in 1476. So how is Vlad a vampire, you ask? Well, in technical terms, he isn't. Tragic. Right. But you might have realized by now that the name Dracula is probably a play on Vlad Dracul. And there's probably some other symbolism behind the impaling and the visceral bloodlust of vampires. Look, there's no proof that famous vampire author Bram Stoker even knew what Vlad was famous for. But his notes do hint at knowing the name and origin of our disturbing little buddy. Yikes. Well, I think it means it's time for some facts of the medical variety about impaling. (laughs) Here we go. No. Uh, No? No. Why not? No. I'm pretty sure that everybody listening can guess about how much it absolutely sucks to die stabbed with a stick in the ground in an open field where hundreds of your friends and also foes are dying. Plus, the speed at which you die sort of depends on what major organs the spike passes on its way through you. Well, well yeah, but I mean, that doesn't mean... Come on. I promise we'll do some medical things later. Now put down your lab coat and get to it. <sighs> okay. He always does this, you guys. He does wear a lab coat for medical facts. This is bullshit. It wastes so much time. This is bullshit. (sighs) I hate you. (laughs) I know. It fuels me. All right. We're in the country of Hungary. The country of Hungary. In the very early 17th century, Countess Elizabeth Bathory's husband just died. Maybe she's lonely. Maybe she's bored. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe she's still trying to cure her childhood epilepsy by putting a bit of virgin blood on her skin. She starts recruiting young girls to her castle so she can torture and murder them. Oh. As one does. That is not where I thought this was going to go. Yeah, no one else either. Uh, she starts a school called the Gynaceum. Which is Greek for the part of your house that's just for ladies. This is not a metaphor. This is real. She tells everyone it's for girls to learn etiquette with the emphasis being that even girls who weren't necessarily royalty or well-connected could go and move up the social ladder. Pretty dope, right? Yeah. And word gets out, though, about, you know, stuff. I mean, obviously someone's going to be like, hey, I haven't heard from my kid in like a minute. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. By 1610, the rumors are so bad, the king assigns someone to pop by the castle and, like, check on it, just in case there's some crimes. And... Uh, <laughs> That guy comes back and he's like, yeah, shit is, uh, woo, shit is not okay in there. And that is, you know, okay, 
the opposite of okay. Not that. He would later He would later go on to write a letter to his wife saying that he found Bathory just casually eating some dinner. But he also found a dead girl and another girl who was, and this is a quote, living prey. Metal as hell, dude. (laughs) Sources estimate there were about 300 victims. And so Elizabeth Bathory holds a Guinness Book World Record for most prolific female serial killer. Which is just the most... Just. (laughs) So many. Mm. Bathory went to trial Trial. for her crimes. And that's sort of in quotes. Because she was rich. Sort of. Sort of. She was rich and powerful. And the government really, really, I cannot stress this enough, really did not want the public to know about how long they let this thing go on for. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even more proof that rich people are trash. What a bop. There were over 300 witnesses to varying degrees. Many of them testified on things that they heard about from other witnesses or gave evidence under duress or torture themselves. And some of those same witnesses went on to be executed or just sort of disappeared. So do with that information what you will. She was eventually charged and put under house arrest. In some reports, she was in a bricked up room and left to die. But in others, she just couldn't leave the castle. She gets in prison in 1611, but finally dies in 1614. So probably the second one. Right before she goes to bed one night, she tells her bodyguard that her hands are cold. And in the most incredible flex possible, her bodyguard dismisses this with, don't worry about it, just go to bed. And then they find her body in the morning. Uh, Points for that guy. Right. I'm kind of hoping this is a Jeff situation, like... She was like, my hands are cold. And he's like, whoops, I accidentally stabbed you in the face. (laughs) Probably not. That's probably not it. Just like, I'm cold. Stab. (laughs) (laughs) He just finally snaps after three years of listening to this bitch. He's like, he's trapped in the room with her. That's why he's upset. He's like, fuck Christ, this is the worst assignment. Look, here's the thing about Elizabeth. She probably wasn't drinking blood or even rubbing it on her skin to keep it young, which is what most people have heard about her. The thing that it gets, rubs the blood on its skin. Mm, well, that was like a common treatment for epilepsy. They were like, "You're not going to have fits anymore if you cover yourself in blood." Just mm, right on the face, you know. Sometimes there was also like powdered skull. Wow. Yeah. The thing that gets translated into vampiric legends from Elizabeth Bathory is the bloodlust of it all. You don't get into the Guinness Book for chump shit. No one cares about the guy with longish nails that's great for breaking up weed. No, they care about the guy who's essentially an invalid because he can't move or do anything because his nail game is so strong, his nails curl, and they're taller than he is. Are you on drugs? Too much? It's gross. Nails are gross. Face is gross. Yeah. Super mature. Mm. Let's turn to the real world origins of vampires for a second. Fun facts with Nash. Vampires don't just appear from death mythology and really fucked up serial killers. In fact, a lot of what we fear about vampires comes from our fear of corpses and not totally understanding body decomposition. The earliest stories about vampires always describe them as distorted human creatures with blood trickling out of the mouth and these long, creepy fingernails. But those are just stages of corpses being corpses. See... A few days after death, all the gases in a body sort of build up, and they bloat and discolor. Then, as the gases release through (laughs) wherever they can get out of, the skin recedes, giving the appearance that the body is thinned out. And then the hair and the nails have grown since death. The gases expelling also force out any liquid in the body, hence the blood-like substance coming out of the mouth. Gross. 
So, what do you do if you're afraid of your loved ones becoming vampires after death? It varies across the world, but here are some common things you can do. Sometimes decapitation of the corpse was best. Hard to go around biting people without a head, am I right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Alternatively, sticking a corpse to the ground or else burying it with an iron was said to stop the corpse from rising. In 16th century Venice, bricks in your mouth of corpses were the trick, as discovered by archaeologists in 2006. Other grave goods give us different insights to the wisdom of the day. Garlic, lemons, hawthorn branches, or bullets have been found in the graves and attributed to vampirism. Records and historical documents also give us some insight on this. Sometimes holy water was used, or exorcisms, and in other places, bones and remains were burned before burial or else completely dismembered. So let's talk a bit about the origins of the vampire. There are a bunch of ancient vampiric-like creatures that feed off the living in pretty much every culture, just all of them. Mm. In the ancient world, the word vampire doesn't exist on its own, but demons who drink human blood are everywhere. Literally, just all over the place. So many uh, check your bed under it. It's, Fuck. it's there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your toilet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Yeah. On the top one, though. So, you know, make sure you keep that closed. But, for example, demons in Persia and Babylon and Assyria to the Jewish figure of Lilith or Gre- Greco-Romans Hecate. While most people think that Bram Stoker was the first one to introduce the vampire into contemporary literature, he was actually the third. Numero tres. Bronze. Bronze medal, nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, our modern ramp shows up first in 1819 with John Polidori's work, The Vampire, spelled with a Y, mm-hmm. which was written for that famous Who Could Write the Scariest Story competition with Mary Shelley and Lord Byron. You know one? The one where she wrote um, The Modern Prometheus? Oh, yeah, that. That's a mother name. I can't remember what it is, though. Fuck it. Whatever. Yeah, not important. <laughs> Then, in 1872, Irish author Sheridan Le Fanu, don't know if I'm saying that one right, publishes Carmilla, a story about a young lady who is preyed upon by a lady vamp. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> They're making macaroni, Nash. <laughs> <laughs> in 1897, Bram Stoker arrives on the scene and, literally speaking, punches everyone else in the mouth. And then the entire world is fascinated by vampires. Well, until the Twilight series ruins it for everyone. Well, it's hard to recover your spooky identity when someone makes you sparkly and sunlight. And also, those films are a treasure, and I will hear no more slander from you. That is literally the hottest take I've ever heard. What an opinion. I'm honestly shocked. Disgusting. Besides mythology, being really scared of dead people and not having electricity... To look under your bed, because that's where everything is at night, uh, to see scary things. <laughs> there were real diseases that made people believe in vampires. Black death, polio, spontaneous combustion. Dying comes and after death comes decomposition. It may seem sad and also gross, but here you are and here's your host, not an actual doctor, but it's medical, medical, medical facts with Dr. Dr. Angel Michael. Enter Porphyria Cutania Tarda which sounds like a Latin incantation for vampires, but in fact the number one suspected vampire disease, a disease you most likely get due to liver disease, more than likely hereditary, or because 
alcohol. Drinking. Drinking. Um, you deal with hyperpigmentation, dark urine, discomforts, redness, and swelling of the skin. But most importantly, extreme photosensitivity. There is also XP, uh, exoderma pigmentosum, which affects one in every one million people. Uh, UV light causes the skin to react in a not-so-fun way. Blisters, cracks, the works, and it actually causes permanent injury to the skin. There's also EPP, erythropoietic protoporphyria, which is a disease that causes the blue light from the sun to cause intense pain that you can feel all the way through your bones. Also, fun fact, uh, porphyria has a very rare version of it, which actually requisites other blood in order to survive. Mm. Is that correct? Yeah. Is that, yeah, yeah. It's probably where the myth came from, because a bunch of homies are running around and they're like, Steve, please, I need your blood, kid. I need it to live. I need it. I need it now. They were like, okay, are you going to drink it? What are you going to do with it? I need to put it in my asshole. What? That's also not true. (laughs) No, Steve, that's not medically accurate. Blood transfusions. Yes. But the other much more common uh, disease that would have caused this, that would have led everybody to believe in how it spreads in the works, is yield tuberculosis. Consumption. It's also called tuberculosis. Don't worry, I got this part, Angel. I got it. I love talking about consumption. We're going to tell a little story about consumption, actually. I'm going to tell you a little story about Mercy Brown. Mercy Brown is 19 years old. It's 1892. And she's dead. Oh, my God. No, I'm just kidding. Earlier in the year, her mother, her older sister, died of consumption. Consumption is tuberculosis. It's incredibly contagious, and it sucks as a disease. Mercy Brown gets it herself. She dies. Her little brother gets sick. The family starts to be like, fuck. It's vampires. One of her dead relatives is getting everybody sick up in this family tree. So they exhume the three bodies. Her mother, her older sister, and Mercy herself. Her mother, her sister, very late stages decomp. They're gross. It's nasty. They look like corpses. But Mercy, when she gets exhumed, looks like the day she was buried. She even has... A little bit of blood in her heart. That's written in the notes. That's a real thing. She has blood in her heart. So they're like, fuck, it's her. It's her. She's coming back. She's getting everybody sick up in here. So they remove her heart and other parts of her internal organs. They burn that shit. They burn it. The bejesus right out of it, right? They make it into dust. They feed it to her sick little brother because they're like, now you've eaten the vampire that's trying to kill you. You're going to get cured. Guess what? She gets reburied. Her little brother dies. Consumption is contagious as fuck pretty lethal okay sorry just get really excited about consumption and mercy brown not excited sorry it's not the right word it's not the right word stop before it gets worse all right the other disease that might uh contribute to the myth is pelagra essentially a dietary missing of words i can't explain uh you, you don't have enough niacin uh it's it's an important part of how your body functions um, how does that happen? Well, corn replaces the main source of carbs or mainstay of food for Europeans. Colonialism and shit, mm. you know. Pero, in Mexico, it was the corn is treated with uh, water and lime mineral in order to get all the vitamins out. In order to be able to, you know, make it a, a viable source of food that can actually contribute to, you know, your body. Uh, but here's the fun part. <laughs> Since Europeans didn't know about that, or quite frankly, didn't care enough to to even try to figure it out they just kept eating corn yeah probably put butter on it mm. uh you know um what else do white people put on things 
I can't ketchup. believe it's not niacin. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But here's the thing. So what that does to your body is this. All the same things as porphyria, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, not only do you become pale and scaly and gross, mm-hmm. uh, more importantly, you uh, your tongue swells. And then your teeth kind of like rot and stuff. And they actually tend to like, because your teeth, your mouth is swelling, your fangs, your canines dig in, which is probably where that myth came from. Yeah. yeah walking around looking like goddamn Nosferatu. Ooh. You know, mm, am I right? Dirty to me, baby. <laughs> and of course, the main one that probably caused the myth of vampirism. Can I get a drum roll, please? Was that a drum? That, a, that was a vibrating phone. <laughs> oh, sorry. What a drum sound like. Fucking rabies. Yeah, rabies. You know, the disease that you can get from animals, most likely than bats. Oh, look. Bats. Oh, bats. <sighs> Isn't that crazy how that happened? That's fucking wow. crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, you wow. get rabies from the bat, you get all foamy in the mouth, and you're aggressive as shit. You're like the worst part of you. All awaken. You're horny. You're sickly. You're foaming at the mouth. You're bleeding from every orifice. And if somebody's like, hey, bro, are you okay? You're like, get away from me. And you start biting people. <laughs> so, yeah. And, of course, rabies is a death sentence if you don't get it treated, like, immediately. So you can also see where the undead section kind of slots in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So super fun things, becoming a vampire. Not nearly as sexy as Tom Cruise made it seem at first. Or even Bram Stoker. Or Sheridan Le Fanu. Or... Vlad the Impaler. If only he was impaling other things instead of people. Well, yeah, people, but maybe not violently. Well, I mean, he his whole thing was like conquering places. Uh, I was trying to make it a sex metaphor. Yeah, yeah, but it just kind of got sadder. Oh, <laughs> so what did we learn today? Well, vampires—they're not real, or are they? No, no, no. But their inspiration was real. Rich assholes with fucked up families. And also a deep misunderstanding of disease and also medicine. But what we know for a fact is this. Twilight sucked. You son of a bitch. On that sparkly note, that's the episode. A special thanks to the wonderful Amy Doe for the jingles. And a special thanks to you for listening. Please remember to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rate and review would also be nice. And also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Gorilla Jokes. And I'm at It's Nashvillein. And of course, follow the podcast at Death and Friends Podcast. And hey, if you love this show, we've got a Patreon now. It's mostly to cover our sound guy's medical bills. In order to properly write medical facts, we expose Dom to all the illnesses and ways to die we talk about on the show. This week was pretty rough. I mean, there were like four illnesses, two serial killers, so he doesn't feel that great today. He's not super excited about the steak. Yeah, no, uh, he really wants to get that out. So check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash deathandfriends. And remember, hey, hey you there. Yeah. You're loved. No matter. If you don't want to be your own friend, we'll be your friend. Please accept my MySpace request. It has literally been four weeks. Till next time, Skeleton Army. Love you. Love you. This has been a Knavery Inc. podcast. Go to knaveryinc.com for more details. Executive produced by Jacob Duffy Halbleib. Audio designed by Dominic Guanzon. The fuck is a knave? Remember this is a comedy podcast?
Don't use it in your research papers. It's spooky time. No, no, that's not the way I want you to read that. <laughs> I can't say this line in a way that doesn't make it sound sarcastic. It's spooky time. That's it. That's all you have to do. It's spooky time. Like, I can't do it. Just, just say it fast. That's all you it's have to do. It's spooky time. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, you got it. It's spooky time. <laughs> Don't okay. do it. I can't do it. It's the worst. <laughs> This is like the 800th time we've tried to make you say it's spooky time. Jazz hands. <laughs> Jazz hands. Blah. Death. Frick. Ah, All right, that's on me. Shit. Ah. ah fuck. All right, let's try this Got again. Death. And in the next few, zier- few years. <laughs> uh, in the next few years, he gets like crazy good at so killing. He earns nickname Vlad the Impaler or in Romanian Vlad Tepes because okay. he just loves impaling. All right. You good? You got it? <laughs> yeah, I got it. This is my plan every time you mess up. I'm going to mess up worse and then you're going to get over it. And, and longer <laughs> in an accent. In an accent. In a very offensive accent at that. <laughs> and right. you're going to be like, well, I can't be as bad as Angel. Death? By the way, Ange. Mm. Nice. That's non ironically my nickname back home. Ange. And Chichaggio, my buddy Mike O'Keefe. You met Mike. I did meet Mike. Oh, no. Yeah, and he was like, I'm going to start giving you a nickname. I'm like, Angel's already a pretty cool name. He's like, nah, we got to shorten it. I was like, to what? He's like, Ange. He was very drunk. White people shit. Yeah, and it's stuck. It's the worst part. <laughs> He's like, yo, I'm the magic man, Ange. All right, that's enough of that. Hi, Mikey. Put me on your podcast. Death? Sources estimate there was about 300 victims. And so, Elizabeth, why do I sound so happy about that? <laughs> 300 people. Yeah, we're about 300 victims. And Elizabeth Bathory holds the Guinness Book World Records for fucking shit up. What a sweetheart. Death? You like jazz, kid? <laughs> a skip to the boop, 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 boop. A fun fact. Let me tell you about jazz, baby. <laughs> Death? Yeah, take a Fucking knew it. She's the goddess of magic, mate. She is, but, okay, look, this is a little bit too far into my life, but I was, like, super into Wicca when I was, like, in high school. Shocking. What? I know, right? You yeah. I know, were right? a witch? <laughs> wow, wow, wee, wah. But I had only ever heard it pronounced Hecate. That's mm. how modern witches say it. Mm, 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 mm. So you do without what you want. <laughs> Fucking morons. <laughs> they also said it like that in Practical Magic. Oh, do they? Is that yeah. what they said? Yeah, they said they're like she told the the Hecate. I mean, they're they're two white bitches, so right. They're like, uh, I don't practice Santeria. I have a fucked I, up story about Santeria. We w- we'll talk about it. The song or no actual Santeria? Oh, actual Santeria. Got it. Hmm. Got it. Got it. Death. Haven't you ever scissored a person? <laughs> 